Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are back at it once again. Today, we are going to be finishing up our look at the 2021-2022 Purdue men's basketball roster. We have two players, uh, two incoming players, so you've not seen them play in Purdue uniforms yet. That is Brian Waddell and Caleb First. So we'll talk about them at the end of the program. But we're also going to talk about the new sports league, the overtime elite that is courting uh, Miles Colvin, who you may recognize as Roosevelt Colvin's son, who is also a Purdue basketball commitment. So they're trying to entice him to come to their league. And we're also going to discuss the Sharon Versip news that came out recently. So before we get into that, as requested from last week, Casey, <laughs> I do have a question for you. All right, I'm ready. Are you, all right, you're ready. So, you know, these questions at the top, not always going to be Purdue-related. This one has nothing to do with Purdue-related. It's related to a previous recommendation uh, we had on the show. One of the very first, maybe the very first recommendation. Casey, what have you thought of Season 2 of Ted Lasso? So, spoilers. There may be spoilers in this conversation, because I believe it's about halfway through Season 2. We're five episodes in. Five episodes? I believe there are 13 or 12. Oh, there's 13. So okay. It's one or the other. I thought maybe there were 10 again, like there was in Season 1. I know for sure there's 12. At least, but it's either 12 or 13. Um, I think it's been a little uneven to start. I know part of it is they thought that they would release it the same way they did last year, where they put the first three episodes out. So they had written the first three thinking that they would be binged together. So there is a little weird rhythm when you start. But the Christmas episode was perfect. Oh, yeah, the Christmas episode was just phenomenal. Um, I, I think we talked about this a little bit last night. There's a little lack of, I'm not sure where the drama is, I'm not sure what the stakes are, it doesn't seem as high. This season, last year, you know, it was built in, it was the whole thing, you know, not getting delegated down, so it had Relegated. 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 Relegated, so. Relegated down, so that was kind of this nice little 
weight on top of everything that was happening. You know, it was new. He was still figuring it out. So I think story-wise, there was a little more oomph to the first season. But I think I, in real time, I'm just realizing how much I enjoy every scene and every little bit of banter and the back and forth and just all the delightful laughs and smiles and everything that's just perfect about watching it. Whether it stands up in 10 years or not, or if it has some amazing twist or story, just there's nothing right now that I'm watching that just brings me such pure joy consistently. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, especially about um, the stakes, because in the first season, you know, he came in as the coach of a Premier League team. It was in the middle of the season, uh, so there wasn't a whole lot, a whole lot of the year left, and the team was already facing relegation, and it was kind of, his role was you know, ostensibly to, to get them out of the basement so they weren't relegated, but relegation was kind of the doomsday scenario of the entire season. And, uh, spo- again, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched the show, uh, they did get relegated at the end of season one, so now they're in the Champions League. And, you know, they've gone back and forth and they've talked about their record, and you see it on the whiteboard behind Coach Beard every now and then. They talk about it, but you're right. I don't know what the real, like, challenge or end stakes are for the the end of this season. Like, if everything goes wrong and, and they don't turn it around, what's going to happen? I mean, I know, in theory, they get relegated again, <laughs> but they've not really discussed that, because ultimately the goal, you know, for them is to win the thing and get back to, to the Premier League, but um, they've they've not really gone that route this season. They've looked at more character development, especially with somebody like, uh, Roy Kent and uh, Nate the Great. Yeah, I think we're. I I think it's an interesting story and character. Ted Lasso was introduced to us in the first season. All of that gimmick shtick stuff that he does was brand new. Kind of in the same way as when you get a brand new coach to a team. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me think of like Devin Singletary in San Francisco. Obviously, not the same personality. No. Not Devin Singletary. Sorry. Um, you mean Mike Singletary? Mike Singletary. I got fantasy football on the mind. Uh, I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. When Mike Singletary, you know, he had one year of success for being a rah-rah new personality guy, and you see that with coaches a lot. And I, I feel like we saw that and got to feel that in the first season, and now the second season is kind of dealing with, all right, what do we do with Ted Lasso? Really, a lot of his stuff is sticky, and you can kind of almost predict what he's going to do and say in a lot of these scenarios, the hokey-tokey, you know, optimism and all that. So it's been really nice to kind of turn the channel, or turn the uh, camera towards, you know, Roy Kent, like you said, Nate. Uh, Rebecca's one of the best characters on TV yeah, right now. she's great. There, there's so much to mine from the people around him with this underlying darkness that Ted Lasso kind of has. Like every, every time he gets some alcohol in his body, I think, yeah. that, like, I think he's going to, like, every time he has a whiskey glass in his hand, I'm like, oh, is this the time he goes to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think we kind of, you and I mentioned this in our, our chat earlier before we started recording, you know, this is made by one of the guys involved is Bill Lawrence, the guy who was um, in charge of Scrubs. Involved. And Scrubs he, is one of my all time. Well, he created, yeah, created, wrote it, yeah. all that. Um, so, and Scrubs is one of my all time favorite series of all time, but Scrubs is also known for a gut punch. You yes. know, they would set you up with this, something is going to happen. And you think you follow it all the way through, and then it just gives you a complete left turn, punches you in the stomach. And, you know, Scrubs is set in a hospital, so invariably lots of people are going to die. But it's it always seemed to be never the person you expected. It was like, oh, this person is getting better. And then at the end, something was happened. Something happened, somebody made a mistake, and somebody would die. And I just feel like 
this season of Ted Lasso is trying to set us up for something like we know what's going on and I just feel like there's going to be a huge left turn and it's going to hit us in the stomach again. Yeah, but I also think that Bill Lawrence is kind of reading the times and saying, you know what we need right now? To not get kicked in the stomach. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's been little moments, you know, where Keely, where it looked like she was going to be on her phone. Uh, yes, I thought she uh, <laughs> I know the exact Jamie, thing you're talking I thought about. it was going to be Jamie Tart on it. I'm like, no, why yep. are you doing this? And then it turned out to be, like, the sweetest thing ever. So I, I think he's winking at all these bad things. I think he knows that a lot of people know Scrubs and familiar with that heartache. And it kind of just feels like he's like, you know what? COVID's hard enough. I'm going to give you wholesome and happy. I, I hope so. So it sounds like we're both uh, pretty happy with, with Ted Lasso. Again, if you have not watched the show, you definitely need to. It is on Apple TV+. Plus. I know most of you do not have that uh, just based on the numbers. But it is worth it just to watch the show. If you want to, you know, get a free trial of it, wait till all of Ted Lasso is out. I did look while you were speaking. It, it is set to be 12 episodes this season. So there's seven left. So wait till that uh, time if you're going to get a free trial. And then you can just binge all uh, the both seasons back to back and get it all done. So this last week, I watched, rewatched all of season one and uh, the, the rest of season two up until Friday's episode. And there was a couple things I noticed, and I want to know if you had seen them as well. You remember in the first episode when Ted and Beard are on the plane, and there's a kid who asks Ted for an ussy. Yes, it's the same guy that James Hart. And it's the same guy when uh, Roy takes his niece around, and he finds uh, the dentist. That kid is the one at dinner. So he's been, like, all yes, the Yes, I did notice, stuff. yes. And then... Um, of course, this last episode, they talked about uh, finishing Ted's joke from season one about the British owl. And I was just, I cracked up. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember, because I, I just watched it. So the follow through on the stuff is great. I mean, it's just great writing. So uh, you don't have to know much about soccer to love it, but uh, it's it's one of the best shows out there in our opinion. So find a way to watch it if you can. So any closing thoughts on Ted Lasso before we move on? No, we've covered it. All right. So. Next, we want to talk about this overtime elite. So you probably don't know what that is, and there's a good reason for that. It is a brand new league of not NBA players, high school athletes playing basketball. Uh, they're recruiting these people to come play basketball with exorbitant contracts. Uh, I believe they're saying the minimum contract they're going to offer these high school kids is $100,000. Um, $100,000. So, I mean... For a, and they're recruiting like 15, 16 year old kids at this point. So imagine being offered that kind of money as a 15 year old kid to come down. They're building a facility in Atlanta. Um, they just hired, it's, uh, Kevin Ollie as their head coach, uh, to kind of develop these players. And they're, they're just trying to throw money at it. Um, Casey, who did you all, who all did you say had been an investor in this company? Oh, let me pull that back. Off the top of my head, Carmelo Anthony, I'm a uh, part Jeff of the board Bezos. of directors. Yes, Jeff Bezos, Drake, it looks like. Drake, Jeff Bezos, uh, Morgan Stanley, Pelion Capital, Blackstone Strategic Partners, Paul Gasol, Devin Book. Oh, wow. So, I mean, the, there's some money behind this. You said something like $80 million, right? It is valued at more than $250, according to people familiar <laughs> with the matter. I think you mean $250 million. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So the reason we're talking about this is 
my like I said at the top, Miles Colvin, uh, Purdue re- commitment, and the son of Purdue legend Roosevelt Colvin has been offered a contract, something like six hundred thousand dollars, by this overtime elite, and it, it seems like they desperately want him to come down to Atlanta and play. I think this. I go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was I I I I didn't quite read this or realize this. The league will also function as a high school for roughly 30 rising juniors and seniors. Yes. Basically, it's going to be an AAU team that has a school. It's, I mean, that's more or less what it is. And they're, ideally, I think in their world, they're going to gear this toward the kids who are clearly going to be great at basketball and will find themselves playing professionally and have no interest in going to college. Because, and granted, this is, you know, this is a new league. They don't know much about how the contracts are going to be structured and where the money will truly go. But unless there's some sort of NCAA loophole um, that we are not aware about that they're going to exploit, if a, if a kid does commit and sign a contract and play with this overtime elite, their NCAA eligibility is gone because they are no longer amateurs. So should Miles Colvin decide to, to run down to Atlanta and play, there's no chance he could come to, to play at Purdue. So you'd be forfeiting any any chance at playing in college in order to go grab this money and, in theory, hone your skills and make yourself more valuable for an NBA team. Doesn't prevent you from going to college, though, which they... Uh, the participants will be guaranteed $100,000 each towards college tuition if they don't pursue a career in professional basketball. I, st- I don't know how... I, I don't really know what that means. They if, if they don't go pro afterwards... After they've signed their contract, they will pay $100,000 towards that kid going to college. Well, right. But, I, I mean, is that in addition to their yes. contract? It must be the way it yes. sounds. But yes. I, I just, I don't, I mean. That so, would be that would be insurance in case, say, they got injured. Right, or, yeah. You know, they are signing 16-year-old kids who knows what they'll be after, you know, they play. Right, yeah. I, so, go ahead. It's just, it's, this might touch on the question you're about to ask me. It's just a weird, it, as much as they, they're wanting to be a substitute, you know, for college to go pro, but really what they're trying to make is a media company. They want this yeah. to be a product that sells, that competes with college sports, which is a really tough competition. Yeah, I mean, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their their heart. They don't think oh, you know, these players need a better outlet to develop their skills. No, these people are in this to make money. So they're going to do what they can to make money on the backs of these kids. Their argument would would probably be, hey, the NCAA does the same thing, but they don't pay the kids. We are going to pay them at least $100,000. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, you're offering them money at a time when they wouldn't get that kind of money. It's hard to say with a straight face that the NCAA is a product for the players and students oh, designed yeah, to give them the maximum, you know, help in their life. So you're not going to see me cry about the NCAA not being the golden ticket. I just do think there is some fundamental questions about an upstart league. It's going to be basketball that's most likely, it's definitely not as good as pro basketball. It's not probably going to be overall as good as college basketball. It's probably going to land somewhere like a really good G League competition yeah but i don't understand if you're only having that many people it's not a full league so is it who are they playing are they playing each other how often are you gonna sit they down must. and watch the same players play each other with no real yeah. stakes you don't have any the biggest thing that college sports has is you have fan bases of millions and millions of people all over the country that are loyal to them through generations 
And I don't know how yeah, I mean, a league like this competes with that. No, and you see it the same way when, like, the XFL restarted or the, the USFL or whatever the heck the other one was recently. They they put them in cities where there are a lot of people hoping that they can find a fan base and catch on. But it's difficult to grow a league out of nowhere and expect not only fans to come and watch you, but where the majority of the money comes from is the TV revenue. And if you can't get a network to carry you, and if you don't have your own streaming platform or some streaming help, it's very hard to to get a guaranteed fan base to watch these games. Especially, like you said, when we don't really know what the stakes are in these games, who the opponents are, and most of us won't know who the players are, and we won't have really any attachment to, you know, overtime elite Team A versus Team B. I mean, I, who who will know that, and who will who will have personal stakes? So, when it comes to Miles Colvin, you know, we put this out on Twitter, and we had um, a, a gentleman contact us. He goes, he goes by uh, the name JRoss247 on Twitter, and he did send me some screenshots uh, claiming to have spoken to Miles Colvin, and the, this gentleman, Jack Ross, does in fact run an Instagram account. He, I mean, I verified that. He sent me the link. I followed it. Um, and he sent me a screenshot of a, uh, of a chat that he had. And, you know, I'm not telling tales out of school here. He tagged me in this on, on, uh, Twitter. So you can, you know, go take a look at it. Um, but it did seem legitimate from, uh, from Miles Colvin himself saying that, you know, uh, that is huge money. And he said, yeah, but I would have to move to Atlanta and I don't want to. So I'm not going to. So it, it sounds like to me, unless something changes, we don't have a lot to worry about. Uh, with Miles Colvin not coming to Purdue and trying to get that money at OTE. Shots fired in Atlanta. I, yeah, it's a yeah, lovely city. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know if it was shots fired in Atlanta so much as that is a long way to go uh, from where he is. You know, getting away from your friends, especially when you're probably, I mean, when you're a talent like him, you're probably set to be the big man at your high school. Uh, if not already, before too long. And, and that would be a hard thing to give up, I would assume. Yeah, and I mean, he's a legacy kid. Roosevelt, right. Colvin, yeah. had a hell of a career at Purdue. His sister is going to be at Purdue. Or yep. is at on Purdue the, currently. Is at Purdue on the volleyball, volleyball team. Volleyball team is about to start in a week. Barnes are going to be able to run campus in a couple of years. So, like, it, it it would be a really... I think the greatest thing about Overtime Elite, whether it becomes something big or not, there are going to be kids that are really good at basketball that come from poverty that could use money 16, 17, 18 years old. And yeah, it's absolutely. nice to kind of have an option out in the light to get some money. Because, you know, kids that are good, it's very weird the way we structure athletics and pretend and have this homage towards amateurs. Like, it's more pure if they're not getting paid for it. Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. So, if there's another option, I, I hope they're successful. I think the way it's lined up right now, they're not going to pick off enough people to actually challenge college sports. No. Will we miss out some on some great players? Absolutely. And we won't think of that at all in March. No. In no, I I don't think I will watch, you know, the the final four and go, man, if only that guy from Overtime Elite had been <laughs> on, you know, Syracuse or Duke, maybe maybe this would have all been different. Uh, I don't think I'll give that a second thought. But like you, I also, you know, think the NCAA is trash and don't mind it if uh these folks can find a way to pay some kids who might need that money. Yeah, there's one, there's a stupid, stupid freaking argument that has been going around for, you know, years and years. Oh, these new generations, they don't know how to handle themselves. Every time that a, that a 
young kid made it big early uh, and then washes out. They're always with all this generation. The fact is, we force them into this into this program in this society that doesn't have their like it's not training them for the life they're gonna have. No. And that failure is on us, not on them. And you've noticed the last few years as social media has become, you know, prevalent and these kids are more savvy and all that, they know how to handle themselves. Even the balls who were, you know, their father was a train wreck on TV and everything else. Yeah. Those kids are all doing fine. Yeah. You know, there was the little stealing thing that happened that was not great but even they're they're able to express themselves they know how to deal with this kind of world kind of the scrutiny that a lot of the old kids didn't know they don't you know if they get money early and like are taught how to handle it their lives are going to be better for it going forward they're not going to walk into the nba wide-eyed unknown how to deal with all this success overnight you shouldn't if you're that talented you know where you're going to be in two years you shouldn't have to snap your fingers and then one day just all of a sudden you're a millionaire you should be able to yeah. cash in on it earlier. Yeah. And I mean, being able to, like you said, snap your fingers and suddenly you're a millionaire, you have no frame of reference for what that means unless you've prepared for it. If if a lot of these people just get handed, well, a lot of these people, a lot of anyone in America just gets handed a check or, you know, five, ten, fifteen million dollars like a lot of these athletes might get in their first contract, they would fall apart within months, you know. Uh, it's why you see so many lottery winners end up going bankrupt. Um, people just have no idea what to do with that amount of money. So anything we can do to, to help some of these uber-talented kids uh, get some money and understand how to use it, I think I'm all for. But it would, I mean, it's gonna, it's going to have a certain attraction to folks who just are in it for the money, just understand that their talent is their talent, and they're they're just trying to make money with basketball. You know, somebody like Cardale Jones at Ohio State comes to mind. You know, he didn't he didn't come here to play school. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was there to play football, though he did eventually graduate from Ohio State. So good for him. But uh, he's he's the kind of athlete that he was upfront about what he wanted. You know, he was not there to go to classes. He was there to play football. And you got to respect that to a certain degree. So hopefully the athletes who want that can find success in this program. So moving on, because we've talked about I, that a little I too do, long. I do just want to say one thing. Miles Colvin, I love the kid. I want him to come to campus a ton. Just cause he reminds me of an Etwan Moore style player, and I just I want to see him in a Purdue jersey. But I, it's his choice. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident he will. He will. So so moving on, uh, you may have seen in the Journal and Courier, the Indianapolis Star, or on uh, HammerandRails.com, a site you might have, might have heard of, that Purdue women's basketball coach Sharon Versip is under investigation for creating a quote. Toxic and hostile work environment. So that is uh, no good. So we we wanted to talk about that a little bit. We know this is going to be her last year anyway. Um, we've got the succession plan with uh, Katie Gerald's coming in uh, on staff this year, and will be the head coach in 2022-2023. But it, you never want to have a situation like this. It looks bad. You hate it for the players. You hate it for the organization, but I have to say I'm not terribly surprised given the sheer amount of transfers that this program has seen under Sharon Versip over these last few years. I mean, just in the last offseason, we lost five players and an assistant coach who was still under contract. They all left, and these were not five bench warmers. This was the leading scorer from last year's team. This was one of the, the leading three-point shooters in program history uh, just left with eligibility. 
And when things like that happen year after year, you have to wonder if there's a problem in the coaching staff. And this report makes it seem like there may be one. Yeah, clean house. Get rid of her. Get rid of her and anyone else that consorts with that kind of culture. Yeah. There's no upside keeping her. She's already a, she's already a lame duck coach. This is inexcusable. We make fun of, not make fun of, but we get on other programs for this exact kind of thing. We shouldn't tolerate it. The community shouldn't tolerate it. The college shouldn't tolerate it. And the players obviously didn't tolerate it, and good for them. There's no reason to keep her on staff. This this kind of thing doesn't come out unless there is some some truth to it. I, I don't know. You know, like you said, there's a lot of smoke with how many good players we've lost consistently over the few years. And it seems, and all the stories kind of sound like, the worse that we've done as a program, the worse they've been as people. Yeah. And the pressure or whatever else is getting to them and they're taking it out on the players. And just get get rid of it. Yeah. Go on. I, I, I agree. I wrote this on Thursday on the site. I said... Because, you know, um, Jace did a quick report on it on the site talking about the allegations, and he was very measured and said, you know, we need to let – because there is an investigation ongoing um, to see kind of who knew what, what the extent of these things are, are they truthful, what else has gone on in the program. And he he did the responsible thing and said, you know, we need to let the investigation play out. We'll see what comes of it. I wrote on Thursday that she needs to be fired, and some people came into the comments and said, you know, why does Hammer and Rail say this on one day and this on the next? And I want to be like, well, we're <laughs> different people. You know, there's more than one person who writes for the site, so we, we have different opinions. But the thing that, that pissed me off the most, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about how people are like, oh, this generation doesn't know how to handle it, and they all crack up with the money and blah, blah, blah. What I've seen is people who've read the articles, who've read the, the Journal and Courier and the Indie Star and and said, well, these don't seem this that bad. These players are just soft nowadays. That's just called tough love. <laughs> and here's what I want to say. Shut up. <laughs> just shut up. He's, like, I am so tired, so tired of, of hearing the older generations say how every generation below them is soft. Every generation below them doesn't know how to just toughen up, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and trudge through the mud and the shit. Because guess what? I trudge through the mud and the shit. The whole point of of gaining experience is to help those below you. Just because you went through some terrible shit, you shouldn't want the person who comes up behind you to go through the terrible shit. No, you want to throw a rope behind them. Exactly. This report, yes, it's not the most heinous thing I've ever heard. You know, there's, 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 Allegations of cursing out players, uh, hitting players on the arm, smacking cell phones out of their hand, um, ostracizing players individually, whether that by, be by like forcing them to a different part of the bus or the plane, forcing them to sit on the end of the bench, or, you know, to me, most egregious is there's allegations that on numerous occasions, uh, the staff would, would call these, these women who are committing their time, their effort, and so much of, of, their damn energy to Purdue women's basketball, that the staff would call these players fat to their faces. And listen, I am not a college-level athlete, but I understand the work and the effort that these women put into this, and to sit there and ostracize them, not just as some jackass fan on the internet, not just some anonymous person on Twitter, but as the coaching staff to, to belittle the women's bodies for no reason other than to belittle them and to make them feel small and to make yourself feel big, there is absolutely no excuse for that. These women committed to Purdue University to play basketball 
and they take pride in what they do. They may not have won as many games as we'd like them to do, but that is no reason to criticize their appearance, especially those that we put in charge of caring for them, treating them like players, and helping them grow as individuals. And not only that, as my wife just handed me the phone because this is something that she is very stressed out about because she loves Purdue women's basketball. Like, do you know what, what that can do to someone's mental health? The the eating disorders that that can lead to if someone in power, someone who they likely look up to and care about their opinion, tells them, hey, you're fat. Do you know what that can do to someone's mental health? I mean, it is just ridiculous that they would do this to these players. Everything there is spot on. Versive is supposed to be the leader of women. She takes girls and is supposed to guide them along as they transition and become women. And she has failed. Abuse does not just leave women. Everything that you described there is unacceptable. You wouldn't accept it from a teacher. You wouldn't accept it from a parent. Those things should not happen. And if she is at all accused by that many people or accused in any way, you got to get rid of her. She is a failure as a coach, as a person, as someone who has been given people's kids to be responsible for. She failed, and she was a Absolutely. bad person, and she should leave. And yep. We shouldn't leave it up to her. And every yep. second that she's yep. on I, campus is soiling what you're trying to change into a new program. Every second that Katie Gerald stands next to her, Katie Gerald is getting soiled. We as Purdue fans, we always, like the I mean the vast majority of us, we shit on IU for handing a program to Bob Knight for years and years and years. Knowing what he did to his players, knowing how he treated not just players, he treated fans, he treated personnel, he treated everyone like like an ant under his boot. And I maintain to this day, Bob Knight was a piece of garbage. Bob Knight remains a piece of garbage. Obviously his health issues aside, don't wish that on anyone. But the fact of the matter is, he treated people like scum. And if 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 I'm going to call out Bob Knight for treating people like scum, and similar allegations of bullying in a toxic workplace environment come down at my university that I love and I have two degrees from, it is my duty to speak out and say, I will not stand for this, and I want her gone. There shouldn't be any pause with anyone, and anyone trying to hold on to her, that idea is just, we don't need you. You and, can leave too. And she's not even good enough. <laughs> she's not even good enough to get the benefit of the doubt. She she took a program that was going to Elite Eights, that had won a national title, went to another Final Four. We're the bottom dwellers. We're the basement of the Big Ten. So even you can't you can't even use that as an excuse, which you shouldn't anyway. But I mean, she's she's just she's got to go. She's got to go. I mean, so, honestly, if anything, I feel I have a hard time believing the athletic department didn't know about some of this when they decided that she could have one last year to bury her off. And if that's true, shame on them, too. She should have been yeah. shown the door. Yeah. You, you uh, have the person you want there. She's not Jean Katie. She didn't earn. If if this stuff is true, she didn't earn a year to walk away. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. So uh, I'm all fired up. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm angry. So we are going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Brian Waddell and Caleb First. All right, and we are back. So as we discussed, we're going to finish our roundup of the 2021-2022 men's basketball roster. We're going to start out incoming freshman uh, Brian Waddell. You may recognize the name if you are a longtime Purdue fan, as he is a Purdue legacy, as his dad, uh, Matt Waddell, was on Purdue back in the uh, early to mid-90s, from 91 to 95. Um, 
he was a pretty darn good point guard. Um, averaged 3.6 assists over his career. His junior year, he had 4.8 assists per game, so that's pretty darn good. Also was a fairly decent three-point shooter. Ended up with a 40% average throughout his career. So um, it was, it's, it's always interesting when you get a legacy because there's kind of two trains of thought, like no way would I want to follow um, my, you know, parent to the same school because of the expectations. And then there's the other side of, I love this school because of my parent and, and I'm going to go because I love it so much. So, uh, Brian Waddell chose to follow in his father's footsteps. Uh, so he does have a bit to live up to there. He comes in, uh, listed as a forward. He's six, seven out of Carmel, Indiana, listed as uh, 175 pounds. So, uh, that is a light 175. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that seemed generous to me, but I'm just going by what the roster says. So, uh, Casey, I know we've talked about him when he, uh, committed, uh, not too long ago, but we both expect him to redshirt. So we're probably, uh, unfortunately for Mr. Waddell here, we're probably not going to spend a lot of time on him. Uh, but what do we need to know about his game and what can we kind of expect him to work on during that redshirt year? I, I think the important thing is, is just, this is kind of what, Coach Bader has moved to, well, well, you've got a lot of places that are, you know, going to guys who are in the league or in college for a year or two and leaving early. And we've had a couple of those, but he's almost uh, providing some insurance for that by getting some of these fringe guys, talking them into getting a red shirt, saying, look, you're not ready this year, but I think you can be good for us eventually. We've seen it work out. Sasha red shirted. Uh, Aaron Wheeler red shirted. Obviously, he left last year, but, or this year, but. You know, I do think the redshirt really helped them. They were both able to do more in their redshirt freshman year than they would have done their freshman year. Yeah, absolutely. Waddell's got a lot that he has to work on that's not even on the court. Got to get his body and athleticism up, put on some weight, uh, try to get quicker, become a better athlete, learn the system. Really, for this motion offense that, you know, we've seen a lot of iterations of, it is pretty complicated. Nowhere to be out of space. And we've really seen guys take a leap their second, third, fourth year in the program. So if they can get a year to study it, get familiar, get used to the speed, talent, athleticism of the other guys on the roster, and, you know, in two to three years, that really pays off since you have a guy that's been around um, and a consistent voice in a sport that is usually, you know, people leaving and going all the time. So Yeah. Yeah, one of, one of Painter's things that he, he has said on a number of occasions is he wants his team to be old and stay old. Um and that's harder and harder in college basketball these days because, as you said, you get players who leave after a year or two. They go to the NBA. Maybe they transfer. And with the changes to the transfer rules, you know, you're going to see that more and more. So to be able to have players that, that buy into the system and say, yes, I'm willing to take a redshirt for a year, you, that can be invaluable down the road, assuming that the player takes it seriously, puts in the work, and does what they need to do in order to find themselves in a good position during their second uh, year on campus. Yeah, and he's got, you know, he's got the one skill that you really want to help, you know, on the court at any moment. He's a shooter. It's just every other part of his game has to improve. And that's a good thing because you can improve a lot of that while not playing because he needs to hit the gym, needs to get used to things, learn the system. Just And, and it is good to have guys that the other players are going to see him put in the work. It's going to inspire them. And then the next kid that comes around, like if – if we could have had Ryan Klein after a couple red shirts, maybe Painter's able to talk him into a red shirt. And all of a sudden, that bad year that we had after Carson left and Klein, we might have had a guy that could have carried us over and kept that line of success going. You know, showing how a red shirt can help 
can be difficult sometimes because these these people who are committing to Purdue, they're generally alpha dogs at their schools, and they don't want to be told, yeah, you're not ready, you need to take a whole year to not play a competitive basketball game. That's a tough thing to hear. So if you can convince players that there's good to come of it and they can actually see it throughout the program, it, it can be pretty valuable for not just the players who do it, but the program as a whole, because you do grow that talent pool and you keep players longer. And as you said, in our system, you may make a jump in your second or third year. And to have that happen consistently with players can be huge for the program. Yeah, and I mean, everything I can tell, you know, it's still pretty fun to be on a college basketball team, even if you're not playing. Yeah. I know you yeah, prefer to be so. out there, but like, it's not the worst life. Especially now if you can start making some money while doing it. Obviously, a lot of guys have red shirts and they're not going to make a bunch of money. But as we get more forward into this, I assume teams are going to look more like what uh, BYU did where certain bars are going to sponsor the whole team. Okay, so just to clarify, it is BYU. So you mean a fitness bar, a protein bar, not an alcoholic beverage serving bar. Because that would be an honor code violation. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure they're sponsored by a bar. No, it was like a fitness. Are you talking about the the when they gave the kid the scholarship? Look, I've been wrong enough on this podcast live. Can we, can we just go <laughs> with what I said? <laughs> no, especially not at BYU. Brigham Young, they're not going to be sponsored by a bar. That'd be ridiculous. I it was like a protein happened. bar kind of company. Yeah. Built bar company. So it's not a bar bar? No. Yeah. Why would BYU? I thought that was the whole point. Like, it was weird. No, absolutely not. Anyway, moving on. So, <laughs> you know, that that is kind of what we're looking at for Mr. Waddell. I mean, there is there is a chance he could find himself a little niche to make some money at an NIL. But for now, he's just got a lot to work on during a redshirt year. And um, we look forward to seeing what he can do and seeing him come out uh, of the redshirt. So... Moving on to uh, Caleb First, he is also, you know, an incoming freshman, listed at 6'10", 230, forward out of Fort Wayne, out of Blackhawk Christian. He, of course, uh, was on the under-19 team along with Jaden Ivey that won that gold medal over in Latvia. He averaged 7 points, 4 rebounds, and .6 assists per game, all in just 12.1 minutes uh, per contest. Uh, shot 59% from the field. And this is a pretty darn good stat. In the 85 minutes he played, he had just two turnovers. So, you know, the hardest part about judging how good a high school player is to college, and same reason it's so hard to go from college to India, is the concentration of talent and athleticism in high school compared to college cannot be good. Right, right. You could be You could be the best player in your city, and there could be really no comparable D1 athletes around you exactly. uh, at other schools. So you could just absolutely dominate. Exactly, because when you're in college, literally the best player in like every city is just on the floor at every game the whole time. Right. And that's why jumping to the NBA is such a big jump. So that's what's yeah. so nice about seeing Caleb first go over to the U19. Those guys are all as good as what you're going to find on a college game. Uh, you know, we played some countries that weren't as good. Those you could compare to, like, the lower-level college teams. But, you know, when you play France, when you play some of these programs that are built in and know how to play basketball, those are the best their country has to offer. And so we got to see Caleb First play on a court full of guys that are at least college basketball talented and ready. And what we saw in a limited amount of minutes, because those kind of tournaments are not built for big men, Certainly not big men who have subtle games. They're all about, you know, 
bruisers like Lofton or guard play. It's mostly about guard play. But we saw him pick his spots, show his skill, show his awareness, his smarts, knows where to be, and he did not look lost or like he didn't compare with some of the best players in the country. Right, right. And I mean, like you said, they play teams like Canada and France, and France especially, you know, they were in the gold medal game in the Olympics, so it's not as if they have, you know, a bad national program. They know what they're doing as far as putting these teams together. Yeah, and you had some, I mean, you had a guy on that court that's going to be the absolute number one pick, uh, no-brainer, just a guy who, 7-6 and plays like a guard? It's Unbelievable, that guy. <laughs> insane. So we watched, and we watched Caleb first go up against Zach Eady, who is, you know, luckily on his team now, but is a problem to everyone, and there were a couple possessions where Eady was going up against first. First cannot guard Eady. Shocking. No one really well, can yeah, one-on-one. Can. But you know what? Edie can't guard first, because first knows how to move. He's a big guy that can hit the mid-range, stretch it out even further, not scared to have the ball in his hand. He's aggressive. He will get, he will make his move quickly. He knows how to process where the court is, where the space is. And those kind of things next to a big man like Trey Williams are going to be invaluable this year. And that's something that Mason Gillis did not offer. I, I just want to, I mean, I know, You've you've said a lot in previous episodes about how much you like first and how much you think he can contribute to the team. And I just want to go over some of the stuff he did while in high school so that people have an idea of of the kind of accolades this this young man brings to Purdue. So um, he was the 2021 Indiana Mr. Basketball. He was an honorable mention All-American by Max Preps. uh, And that that only they named 30 players to that. So. Um, he was ranked 30th nationally by ESPN, 34th by 247, and 38th by Rivals. Uh, during his high school career, he scored over 2,000 points. He is the school's all-time leader in points and rebounds. He won 105 games while in high school. He was the first 2A player to win Mr. Basketball in Indiana since 2010. They won the 2021 2A state title. They won the 2019 2A state title. They were one of the favorites to win the 2020 state title, but of course the season was cut short due to COVID. Uh, he averaged 22 points, 13 rebounds, 3.4 assists as a junior, uh, 18.7 and 10 and a half as a sophomore. And he was, he chose Purdue over offers from Michigan State, Louisville, North Carolina, Virginia, and Ohio State, just to name a few. So this is a guy who was recruited heavily. He is an incredible talent. And he chose to come to Purdue looking at the roster, thinking that he's going to have a shot. And we think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you think he's going to crack the starting lineup at some point during his freshman year. I think he'll be the day one starter. Okay. And and as we talked about last last week, a lot of that is because Gillis finds himself on the outside looking in. Yeah, if Gillis hadn't screwed up this offseason, he didn't play bad enough last year to lose his job, but... I think it's pretty clear that first fits so well and he's so talented. He was probably going to take over that job at some point anyway. He's just, he's ready. I think he'll struggle a little bit on defense. Um, he's a little bit of a tweener. He's not, he's not a huge body inside when it comes to height and rim protection. So he might struggle at the five and he's not the quickest guy at the four. If you get a really, you know, offensive minded athlete at the four, he could struggle, but I just think in general, he is going to offer so much 
in in the little spaces that we weren't efficient last year, I think he's going to cover up a lot of those. And he's a really good rebounder. And I just think he makes so much sense with Trey and the rest of our starting lineup. If if he doesn't end up starting, I think it's going to be because someone like Newman or Sasha, the combination of them are so good that we just decide to play small to start the year. Uh, Painter doesn't have a huge history of doing that, so I, I doubt we go that way. But if those two become... I, I don't think Gillis is going to take the job. You can talk me into Kaufman Wren taking the job, to be honest. Yeah. One of those two freshmen. But I, I think... Everything we've seen, we didn't get to see Kaufman Wren, didn't get to hear about how he did with the U19, but my assumption is that it's his job for the taking. He's going to have it, and he's probably not going to give it up for three or four. Years. Wow. All right. That's, uh, that's a pretty big, pretty big, uh, statement right there. Gotta believe in, uh, Mr. Indiana's. They've worked out for us in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. I mean, Mr. Basketball, whenever you get one from Indiana, you know, you've got somebody who's, who's pretty dang talented. So, I mean, I know, like I said, we've talked about Caleb first a lot in past episodes. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about him before we head into the recommendation and wrap this sucker up? So the one thing is, I really like him as a rebounder. And when you have him, he's a very solid blockout guy, and he goes after it almost every shot. And when you put him next to someone like Edie, who's super tall, or Trey on offense, who is already one of the best rebounders in the nation, I think we are going to control the Galas in a way that's going to really, it's going to keep us in every game, which I think our talent alone was going to do. But that is a good way to never get upset by teams you shouldn't lose if you control the ball at both ends. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. So I would look at someone like him to match, match with Trey and Edie to make us, we're going to be, I'm not going to say we're infallible, because, you know, we'll mess up. We, Still young, whatever. But a lot of those games that it goes haywire just because you can't control a possession or you don't dominate uh, physically inside, I think we're going to see most games where we are the team that controls the ball at both ends. And that generally is a good way to beat the team you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, that is, uh, that's very exciting. I like that thought process. <laughs> so there you have it. That is what we've got on uh, Caleb First. So that is going to do it for our look at the 2021-2022 Purdue men's basketball roster. We've talked about all these scholarship players. Sorry, walk-ons. We just don't know enough about you. Uh, I apologize. Unless, you know, we don't have like a Tommy Luce or uh, anything like that that we can talk about. But should we find out any exciting information about the walk-ons, we will be sure to pass it on to you. So that is the entirety of the of the scholarship roster. Next week, we are going to be moving on to look ahead at football. Hold for booing from Casey. (laughs) Oh, deep sigh. Okay, I'll take that, too. Um, But before we wrap it up, we do always end with a recommendation. It is my week, and mine is uh, actually sports-related this week, unlike uh, every previous recommendation (laughs) I've given on the show. But uh, this week, I'm going to say, you know, pay for some journalism that you like, sports-related. I'm talking about Rivals, I'm talking about The Athletic, I'm talking about Ken Palm, um, you know, those are all great sites, they do what we don't do, um, you know, I'm obviously we want you to come to HammerandRails.com roughly 100 times a day and click on every story, but the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of great work out there, a lot of it is, there's a lot of focus on Purdue out there in the world, uh, especially with this basketball team. So if you want to read some great articles, some great profile, profiles on players, you know, go out there and, and pay for some of these sites. They're not very expensive. 
and uh, they do a lot of good work. And if we truly do want Purdue to get the national attention, we need to show that Purdue fans care and Purdue fans are willing to pay for these great stories. I'm going to jump on this a little bit because, first of all, obviously, follow the indie star Greg Doyle writes. Yes, absolutely. There's no other. You don't. It's it's cheap. He's worth it for the words alone. Um, I would suggest the athletic. I don't. Do you have an athletic subscription, Levin? I don't. I did at one point. All right. Well, I will send you the first one of these. But when you have one, I pay for an athletic subscription. subscription. They they have a bunch of uh, free ones I can hand out, so I'll hand you out one. Um, other listeners, get at me on Twitter, Casey Bartley HR. I'll send out whatever ones I have if you want to try it out. They've got, especially as the NFL is about to start. They've got so many beat writers all over the place covering uh, every team you're going to care about, and their coverage is far none the best sides. So I would say go to Athletic, but there's a lot out there. But yeah, and I mean, you know, like I said, it's we're, you're supporting some people who you enjoyed their writing for years, and you you get a chance to get a different perspective on a lot of things that you know you don't see at the sites like the like ours because we're not in the locker rooms very often. We're not the ones getting the hot tips from the coaches and the coaching staff. So make sure to go out there and, and find somebody who you like reading and, and throw a few bucks their way each month. So that that is going to be it for us this week. Um, thank you for listening. Sorry about all the rants with uh, women's basketball there. But, you know, I think it was well-deserved. So hopefully it all stays in and there's no editing it down. Um, <laughs> so Last chance. Week, Are you sure you don't want your wife to uh, come on and uh, no, she's already upstairs dog now. Right. Yeah. I feel I like know. we missed a moment. Yeah, well and like like she said, you're gonna you would have to have the uh the the uh bleep ready because there would be lots of cursing, so uh <laughs> we're trying to keep that non explicit rating on iTunes. So speaking of iTunes, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, like, hammer that subscribe button and uh tell all your friends. We'd love to have you. Make sure to let us know what we're not doing, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. So we will chat with you next week, folks. Till then, have a good one. Barbecue.